Let us bow our heads for the prayer of illumination. Come, Holy Spirit, our helper and advocate. Open our hearts and minds this day. Entice us with your presence. Spark us with a word of life, a message that we may share with others as we seek to live in Christ's love in the world. All of this we ask in the name of God, who creates, redeems, and sustains us. Amen. This morning's Gospel reading is from the book of John, chapter 14, verses 15 through 21. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal them to and reveal myself to them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. pray. Trinity of love inviting us to abide in you. May we follow the spirit of truth through desert wild and city street, rutted field and snowbound height, battleground and market square, that your demanding love might speak to the heart of the manifold world. Through Jesus Christ, our brother, we pray. Amen. I want to thank you all for uh, allowing me to take a, a week of, of study time. I, as Presbyterian Church, I'm, I take two weeks of study leave every year. And this past week, I was at uh, Princeton Seminary for my 15-year reunion. And just being back on that campus, that holy place with uh, old friends, making new friends, learning from uh, professors it was just a, a real privilege, and, and I got some lovely swag too. So, um, including Princeton Seminary socks. If you'd like to see them after the service, I'll gladly show them to you. But I'm grateful for for the time away. We live in a time of profound loneliness. Uh, didn't you see the Surgeon General's report from earlier this month on the effects of loneliness in our country? Um, their lack of social connection is an epidemic in America, and it has comparable health outcomes to smoking 15 cigarettes per day. The physical consequences of loneliness include a 29% increase uh, risk for heart disease, 32% risk for stroke, and a 50% increase of developing dementia in older age. But of course, it's not just older adults who 
are suffering from loneliness. Across all age groups, in-person social interaction is down from 20 years ago. But 15 to 24-year-olds are suffering with 70% less social interaction than the same age cohort 20 years ago. This is not healthy. And so though loneliness has been on the rise for more than a generation, COVID-19 pandemic pushed everything into overdrive. So what do we do with our loneliness? And where can we find true belonging? How we answer those questions will determine both the the well-being of our own lives and the future of our country. And that's not an exaggeration. We've been with Jesus in John's Gospel in this latter part of the Easter season, and we heard him a few weeks ago say in John 10.10 that I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Because God didn't create us for loneliness and isolation. God created us for abundant life, which means connection and community. We also heard Jesus comfort his fearful disciples, saying that in his Father's house there are many rooms, and though he is leaving, he will come back and take us to be where he is. And today's reading picks up right where we left off a couple weeks ago. Jesus giving words of comfort to his fearful disciples, saying, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. Now you should know this is not an if-then statement the way that we normally use them. Jesus is not describing to us a quid pro quo where if we first keep his commandments, then he'll give us the Holy Spirit. That's not what he's saying at all. Uh, The command that he's referring to comes from the previous chapter, John chapter 13, where after washing his disciples' feet, Jesus says, I'm giving you a new commandment that you would love one another. And so Jesus first washes his disciples' feet in an act of love, and then he gives them the command to love one another. And the same dynamic is here in this passage as well. So if we ask ourselves the question, whose love comes first, ours or God's? The answer is always God's love comes first. From the dawn of creation to the coming of Christ to the sending of the Spirit, God's love always precedes our own. 1 John 4 says, God is love and those who abide in love abide in God and God abides in them. We love because God first loved us. And so divine love is the eternal precondition and basis of human love. Which means when Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, he's not telling us how to qualify for God's love. He's describing a life that has been swept up into the divine dance of love that has been going on from the foundation of the world. And when we are swept up into that dance, we can't help but love one another. So we might ask, well, then how do you get swept up into the dance? Jesus tells us it's through this advocate that he's going to send another advocate, the spirit of truth, who will be with you forever. And these words of Jesus here in this chapter are some of the most important words about the Holy Spirit in all of Scripture. This mysterious third person of the Trinity of whom we know so little. As Christians, we regularly speak of God the Father and God the Son and Christ, but the Holy Spirit we speak and know less about. Jesus refers to the Spirit as another 
advocate, indicating that he is the first advocate, which means the same love and compassion and inclusive nature that we see in Jesus can be expected from the Spirit as well. The only difference between the two is that while Jesus is confined to a single body, the Spirit is not. And that's why Jesus can say the Spirit abides in you. That's a key word in John's Gospel, abide. That God abides in Jesus, that Jesus abides in God, and the Spirit abides in us, uniting us to both the Father and the Son. The early church fathers and mothers described this relationship as a mutual indwelling of love. The Greek word for it is perichoresis, which literally means dance around. And so they describe this image of God as an eternal relationship of love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all three distinct yet one. And they mutually indwell one another through an eternal dance of love. And creation is welcomed into that dance through the Spirit. And so the Trinity, then, is not a cold, abstruse math problem. No, the Trinity is the word that we use to describe the eternal mystery of God, where both unity and distinction are held together in perfect harmony, where love is not something that God does, but love is who God is an eternal dynamic relationship of love. And if that's who God is, and we are made in the image of this God, then this is why belonging and relationship is so central to us as humans, and it's why loneliness is so damaging. God didn't create us to be alone, but to live in a community of love and belonging, just like God. So how how do we get there? Well, first and foremost, you have to know that this this love, this divine love, dwells in you. Jesus says the Spirit abides with you and will be in you. In other words, the love and belonging that you long to experience, you long to know, it already abides in you. You don't need to spend your life looking for another person to somehow complete you. Ironically, that's actually a recipe for loneliness. This is, this is the irony of love, that we cannot give what we don't already have. And so if we go to another person hoping that they will give us the love that we lack, we may glimpse it here and there, but eventually our expectations will crush them. They can't possibly fill that void. But when we know that perfect love already dwells within us, then we can go to other people not asking them to fill our emptiness, but instead able to give from the abundance of love that we already have. That's what healthy relationships are, people giving from the abundance they already have. And all of this is only possible, only possible by faith, by trusting that God has made you a whole person, And loves you through and through. That love enables you to love other people. And that's what faith is all about. It's not about a belief system or a creed. It's about trusting that what Jesus said is true. When he said, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. This is the only faith that matters in the end. Knowing ourselves to be part of the divine dance of love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You can't see this reality. 
but you can trust it to be true. And that trust, that faith, makes all the difference. The other way to experience divine love in our midst is through our love for one another. Jesus said, those who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. And so Jesus is revealed in our midst, in our love for one another. Which again is the commandment that he speaks of. It's not some abstract commandment. It's to love one another as I have loved you. And when we do that, as imperfect as our love may be, then we experience Christ in our midst. And that's what church is meant to be. A community of imperfect people who love each other and trust that God's love abides in them. And that's what covenant is. A community of belonging. Over the past few years here, we've been expanding our understanding of who belongs here at Covenant. And we started by welcoming children back into our worship service. The first Sunday when we gathered here after COVID, we said we're going to gather with our whole church present. So every Sunday, seeing these tables full and the narthex full of children, not just present, but actually participating in worship, that has brought life and vitality to all of us. Several of you adults have told me, this is the best thing we've done as a church in years. And I think you might be right. But it's not just children who belong here. Adults of all ages find this to be a community of belonging. Those of you who heard the Preacher from the Pew series earlier this Lent, we heard from three of our new members telling their faith stories. And one of them, who might be sitting in the front row over here, said... From my first visit, I felt at home. You've given me more than I can ever repay, and you've impacted me more than you know. What's here is special beyond what people realize. I think you're right, too. What's here is special beyond what we often realize. And so in this age of loneliness, Jesus assures us that we belong to a God who loves us more than we know. And that love connects us both to God and to one another. And for more than 69 years, Covenant has been a place where people have discovered God's love for them and for each other. That is our Presbyterian heritage. That's why we're here. That's why we come week after week to be reminded that you belong to God, that you belong to each other, and you belong here. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this extraordinary invitation to be a part of this eternal dance of love that is your divine life. You have created us not to be alone, but to live together in a community of belonging. And we are grateful that this church is able to imperfectly but still truly reflect your great love for us. Lord, as we look to a new ministry year, we pray that more folks uh, would find their place here, find your love for them experienced in the fellowship they have here at this church. Lord, may it be so. We pray this morning for 
all those who are hurting and suffering. We pray for Tom, who's entering hospice. Lord, have mercy on him and on his family. That he might know in this last, later stage of life that in life and death he belongs to you. We pray for Carol having shoulder surgery this week, that you'd have mercy on her and that the procedure might go exactly as planned. We pray for opportunities to find a new job that they might open up. And we pray that you might heal, Lord, a wounded heart. Lord, there are many wounded hearts here in this room, online, connected to us. And we pray that Imperfect though our love might be, we might be able to extend just a, a shadow, an image, a, a mere reflection of your love for us to those who are hurting. All this we pray in the name of the one who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Thank you.